0: In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the text that I'm going to speak about today is from Ezekiel 37. If you want to turn to your scriptures and kind of look at that, we're going to uh, do Ezekiel 37, 1 through uh, 10. I might go a little further. We'll see. So. Ezekiel 37, 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the midst of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Some really important things just in the beginning of this uh that I believe that we need to look at in in understanding what god 's trying to tell us. One is it said the spirit of the Lord was upon me that means he was he was in the presence of God, he was either worshiping or praying or reading the scroll or but he was in god 's presence, and god 's hand came upon him, so it wasn't just by her by circumstance or whatever that, you know, it's just about his day, not even really paying attention to God, and all of a sudden it's there. He was, he was one, if you say, that was seeking God. He wanted to hear from God. And if you read back through, he had heard from God a lot and spoke on, for God many times. But here he is again saying, the hand of the Lord was upon me. So, as God's hand was on him, he led him into a vision it doesn't say that, but it was clear that it was a vision of a valley, and he put him right in the middle of this valley, and then he started taking him around, showing him this valley. And what he saw were bones that were very dry. Now, these are not just fresh bones, right? Maybe if you've been out hunting or Maybe even fishing, you find ones and you go, oh yeah, they've really still got some slime on them and stuff. No, these these were bones that were very dry. They had been there for a very long time. There was no life in them at all. Not even any sign of life that was in them. And I think that God wanted to make it clear to Ezekiel, these were dead bones. There was nothing left in them. So he went back and forth across them. And he's, God asked him, Son of man, can these bones live? And I think Ezekiel's response was something that we need to pay attention to. It's you, Lord, know. Because there's, there's times... In our life, and we might not hear God ask us the question, but the question is there can these bones live? And in our flesh, in our earthly mortal man, many times we will look at the dry bones and we'll say, No way, this is not happening. I remember my biology class long, long time ago and these bones are dry. They're very dry and there's no way they can live. But having God ask us and then us then responding back to him, God, you know. And I think that's an important thing for us to grasp in this text is that God You know. Because we can trust Him with the impossible. In fact, He is the God of the impossible. So we can trust Him with that. Trust Him in His promises. So these dry bones... We're representing Israel in this text. Israel was in bondage in Babylon. And he was saying to Ezekiel, will Israel ever rise up again and become a nation again? Is basically was what he is asking. And God was bringing hope to the nation of Israel through Ezekiel. But I believe this text comes many thousands of years forward to us right here today. Because we have dry bones. We have personal dry bones. We have family dry bones. We have dry bones of our, of our nation. Dry bones of our world. And we look at this and we go, there is no way. This, it has turned so corrupt in this world. There is no way, God, that these can ever live again. But our response should be turning to God and say, God, you know. You know, God. So let's see what God says in this text to that question. Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and you will be covered with skin and I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So God had a response to this, to Ezekiel's, only you know, right? Because I'm sure that Ezekiel had the same thought that we were just talking about. Is like, I don't think so. I don't think these can live again. But God had a response. One that I believe he's telling us as well. And then he described the process of flesh coming on them and tendons coming together. And that then the exciting part is that his breath would be breathed into them. He asked Ezekiel. He said, prophesy to these bones. You know, I've always kind of wondered that because I know God can do all kinds of stuff, right? I've watched him do all kinds of stuff. But most of the time, out of his wisdom, he chooses to use people in that process. Remember the story with Egypt, right? Right? Moses is at the burning bush, and God says, generally, I've heard the cries of my people, and I am going to go save them, and Moses is going, cool, God, you go, right, and then he says, now you go, because I'm going to save them through you, it's kind of what he's saying, I'm going to save them, but you go. And that's what he seems to do. And that's what he's asking Ezekiel here. Ezekiel, you prophesy to these bones. You speak life into them through my name. Like we sang in the songs, the name of Jesus. It is so powerful. The name of our God is so powerful. So you prophesy in my name to these bones. And you watch. You watch what I'm going to do. But we have a responsibility to prophesy, to speak. To speak to God. To speak to the bones. About God. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And we're going to camp there for a second. I love that. And it speaks to me. For the times that maybe I. Wasn't obedient. That I need to be. Because as he was commanded, he like said, okay, God, I will prophesy. You asked me to prophesy. You commanded me actually to prophesy, and I'm going to do it as I was commanded. Just, just the beauty of being obedient to God, to his word, to what he's told us to do. And, and many times we don't hear like, like Ezekiel did. Right directly, but believe me, we have enough that if we can just obey what we've read in the book on a regular basis, we got plenty. We don't need a direct line to have him speak to us directly. We got enough that he's told us about in his word that we need to just obey just because we've heard over years in church. And reading the word, we hear it in our mind about obedience and what we're to do. And as we go further in this text, you'll see the, the importance of being obedient because through his obedience, these bones came to life. Through the obedience of Moses going, as, as, even though he complained a bunch, he still went, right? He did complain a bunch. I'm guilty, too. Many times they say, are you sure, God? Yeah, I'm sure. Are you sure, sure? (laughs) Okay. And I I haven't done the fleece thing. I haven't put out the, you know, the the piece of cotton to see if, you know, if we can have do around and no do on it and, you know, vice versa, right? They didn't never do that, but let me tell you, I've thought about it, (laughs) right? (laughs) But the obedience is just doing it. And sometimes, guys, we don't feel like it. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we go, cool, this is really cool. I want to be obedient. I feel good about it. And other times, we don't. Okay, you guys remember kids, right? Your kids, you tell them to do something. And sometimes they do it right away. And sometimes they're like dragging and kicking doing it. Now, if they're dragging and kicking do it, you know, as parents, we don't like it quite as much, but they still did it. And there's a, almost a joy in our hearts when they finally get over that rebellion and do it. We just go, yeah, they made the right decision, right? So we just need to do it. We need to be obedient to God's word and then watch what <laughs> he does. Because see, in our obedience, it releases God to do his work. And when we're not obedient, at least in, in our realm, we're, we're holding him back. Now, I, guys, disobedience, there's a, a word that goes with that. It's called sin. If God tells you to do something and it's clear and you don't do it, disobey, it's sin. And sin blocks our relationship with God. Just kind of like with your husband and wife, right, for instance. And it might not be sin, but what happens is, say, you do something against your spouse, right? And you're in a little tough, right? Is your communication and relationship with them as good as it was before? No, you kind of brussel and you kind of go your own way a little bit and all that. It's the same thing with God because it's relationship with God that we're talking about. It's relationship of hearing and communing with him and that sin, that, that tough that you had with God, saying my way's better than yours, breaks that relationship so that it's not as intimate as it could be. And when we go, just like we do with our spouses and say, I'm sorry, can we work this out? Then it gets better. With God, you go to God and say, God, would you forgive me? I don't like this not being in good relationship with you. Have you thought about it that way, by the way, guys? Not liking the separation, just like with husband wife or friends, you don't like it. And you say, God, I don't like this where I'm at with you right now. Would you forgive me? I I, want to be back into that intimate relationship. So be obedient. You will see God move his way in obedience. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and tendon and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So as he was speaking, he saw what the marvelous work of God coming. He saw God's hand moving. You know, we, we many of us have, have invested time into people's lives. And sometimes it's unfruitful and sometimes it comes to fruition And we smile and we go, God, thank you so much. It's so good to see this person growing and maturing in Christ and being successful. It is so good. And I think that's what Ezekiel, he was seeing these things come back. He was prophesying and he's going, wow, this is really cool. Now, there's something interesting also with this text is... uh, is that it spoke of four different things that was happening, okay? Four different things that were happening. And uh, there was tendons, and then there was flesh that came on them, and then there was skin, and then there was breath, okay? And it's interesting that, that fours in the Scripture talk about completeness, And I think God is telling us also that in this, because God wrote the text, right? He did use people to write it, but he wrote it, right? He's telling us that as I do the work, not you, not us, but as I do the work through you, it will be complete, not an incomplete work. You know, there's there's many things that we seek out in life that are not God-supported, right? We find our comfort in other things besides God many times. But we find that as we seek those things out, no matter what they are, they work for a season. And then that season ends, and then there's an emptiness, and we're going, ah man, I thought this was taken care of. What happened? So then we seek something else and we turn to something else that that we think is going to work. Maybe it's more reading, maybe it's more exercise, maybe it's eating right, maybe it's, you know, doing all kinds. I mean, we can just go on and on with things that we turn to as people that we think is going to fix us and going to heal us and going to make us more healthy people in our lives. We can think of a bunch of stuff. But without God, they're empty and vain. Now, God might use some of those things in the process, but he has to be in the mix. In fact, it has to start with him in the mix. Because he's the only one that does complete healing. There is no one else that does complete healing but God. Also, you notice in this text, it said there was a noise, a rattling sound, and bone came to bone, and tendon and flesh and skin appeared to them, but there was no breath. Are you guys are you guys used to (laughs) things like I am that life is messy? It's not easy. Even in the best of circumstances, sometimes, you know, you just kind of go, where did this go whacked, right? It's messy. And I think God is describing some of this mess as we get whole. Now, Paul made it clear that in, in, toward the end of his life that he wasn't quite perfect because the perfect comes when we get there, Right? Now, Paul did pretty good. I'd like to get there where Paul was. I'm following Christ that Paul followed because he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So I'd like to get there, but I'm not there. I don't think any of us are close to being like Christ. But he's making us that way day by day. That's what the scripture says, day by day. And in the middle time, it's messy. And sometimes we're more of a mess than others. Ask my wife. Some days I'm really a mess. And she goes, are you sure God called you? No, she probably doesn't say that. I'm saying that, actually. She doesn't say that at all. But I think that because I'm just going, I'm a mess. And I should have it more together. And then sometimes even we watch people come into the church and they accept Jesus Christ and, you know, we're all excited. But then, you know what? They've got to shed the old self. They did all the other stuff in the world that they were used to. And they've got to get rid of those behaviors and bring on the behaviors and characters of the kingdom of God instead of the kingdom of this world. And believe me, that is messy. And they make a lot of mistakes in coming into the kingdom. And I think God's telling us, it's messy. It's noisy. And can you imagine watching? I mean, think about this, you know. There's, there's tendons, you know, and then there's flesh, you know. Can you, have, you know, cut inside and seen inside things? Or anybody take anatomy and physiology and see the skin peeled off? And it, it's kind of messy, you know, the <coughs> blood and tendons and all that stuff. That's us learning about the kingdom. That's the other people learning about the kingdom. And I think it's important for us to remember that. One of the prayers that I I pray on a regular basis is, God, let me not forget where you brought me from. Grace, in other words. There's people that are further in the kingdom than God that I am, and there's people that are not. But it doesn't have anything to do with me. It has everything to do with God. And if God's called them into the kingdom, praise God. If they're messy, praise God. In fact, that's a time for us to step in, us that are more mature, and guide them without judgment. Guide them into the ways of the kingdom and love them into the kingdom. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's loving them into the kingdom, no matter where they're at in the kingdom. Get them closer to Jesus all the time. Get them closer to Jesus all the time because that stuff will shed away as they get closer to Jesus. So we love them into the kingdom no matter where they're at. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't say, you know, this is sin. That's right. That, 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 I'm not saying that. We need to to do that as faithful stewards of God's word as we mature. But we say it in love to help them out so that they can be free from what? The chains that bind them in that that sin. Because we love them. We don't want them in bondage any longer. We want them free. So in love, we point it out. Saying, but the grace of God, there go I. Oh but the grace of God, there go I. You know, some of us, messiness also sometimes is with our own dreams, the messiness of our dreams. The messiness of the visions that we had for us in our life and where we're going and what we wanted to do and all of the changes and everything that's going on and then we're just going, God, what happened to this vision that I had? What happened to these dreams I had? And then submitting these to God, putting them under his rule and then the messiness of us sorting out what was our desires and wants and what is the kingdom desires and wants in the midst of those dreams and those visions for our life. That is messy. Because we have to lay down some stuff. God asks us many times to lay down things that we've had dreams for because they don't align with his kingdom. The messiness of Watching people, other people come under the rule of God. It's hard for us. But we must not be judgmental, because we were there too. Love them into the kingdom. In Genesis two seven, it talks about a two process of God forming man. He made the man right, all la, la, la dust and dirt, informed him, right? So that was the first process. The second process was they breathed into the man. And we read, we haven't got quite to the breath, but that's where we're going. Because see, Ezekiel saw, as he prophesied, the bones and muscle and sinew and skin come on them, but it said then there was no breath. There wasn't any real life in them yet. Many times, unfortunately, we come and we do the things of God. And we get very busy doing the things of God. But God's breath has not entered us. So we're playing church. God's breath must come in and renew us and make us new even sometimes perhaps as we go to church for a long time we've heard a lot of sermons we've done the whole Sunday school stuff and we've got a little dry with church and we do leak because we're broken vessels and God needs to fill us up on a regular basis and sometimes we haven't allowed that filling to happen on a regular basis so we need to be refilled being filled with the spirit is a daily thing it isn't a one time event Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood on their feet a vast army. This one is uh, is full of all kinds of things that we can talk about in the in the kingdom being obedient to speak into people's lives godly things that he's given us to say mentoring people as we get more mature guiding younger believers speaking into their lives purposefully so that they may live. So that they can be rid of old habits and bondage and o- old things that don't work for them. And you see them and you, you want to say, just stop it. Okay? Just just stop it, you know. But you know what? It's probably not going to ha- happen. I mean, in therapy, you know, someone comes with all their problems and you can just, you know, you see, you see where they need to go. You do all of that stuff and you just you want to say, just stop it. That's it. Just stop doing it. everything to be fine. But see... <laughs> It's not quite that easy. So you have to guide them and direct them and mentor them. And you need to speak to them the word of life that comes from God's word. About good character, about good values. I mean, there's so many good principles in the kingdom of God. It's incredible that, see, it's not, it it is a spiritual thing. It is so exciting. But normally it affects society as people turn to God because they're better people. Because they are moral people. There are people that don't lie anymore. There are people that don't steal anymore. There's people that speak healthy to other people. You have a society that does that. Doesn't that sound like a really good place? We're going to have a place totally like that in heaven. Right now, the weeds have grown up with the weed. But that's what we're looking for. And that's how we mentor young believers is we speak into their life. Just as Ezekiel spoke into the life of these bones. I, I, I think it, it would be harder to speak into these bones that we thought, oh man, these are really bad, than to see a life that we know has hope and to speak into that life and to watch them grow and mature in Jesus Christ. Speak into their life when we see areas that that need speaking into. Instead of just going, oh, well, you know, that's Matt's job. Or they really need to get control of that. And then we don't say anything. You know, if we love them, right, we will speak into their lives. We won't just let it go. I mean, is that being responsible to just let it go? But in love, with all grace. As they give us entrance, they also have to give us entrance into their life. We speak to them. About the words of life. Again in this text. It says that. God told him to prophesy. And he prophesied. So there was obedience involved. And I, I, I see that theme throughout this, is obedience to God. Obedience to God. Obedience to God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm someone that looks at the the speed limit sign that says you know 50 kilometers an hour right and i usually say well then i can go 54 or 55 <laughs> right that's kind of who i am and you know even this little traffic circle up here that says the traffic's supposed to go this way right and when i get there and there's no one coming from the other way i always cut that through <laughs> I admit, right? So I, I'm one that kind of pushes the edges with this obedience thing. And, it, and, and in some ways, for me anyway, it needs to make sense. You know, if it doesn't make sense, I just go, really? Okay, Maybe you're not like that, but, you know, <laughs> that, that, that's how I am. So I, I, I've had to learn the hard way that when God says something, it isn't just that it's not, a good suge- it's not just a good suggestion. It, it, it actually is, do it my way. And if you don't, there's really consequences. Now, some of the consequences are minor, right? And some of them are a little greater. But it, all of them separate me from God. God. All of them, every one of them. And the more I, I allow that to happen, the further the relationships get, and the less I can hear from him, and the less I feel comfortable with him. So obedience is important. And knowing that God, it isn't it isn't that and I used to question God on this one too, you know. It's like, are you sure? I mean, this doesn't make sense to do it this way. But I've learned God's ways are not our ways. And he actually knows the best, the very, very, very best for us. And they're just not random commandments. They make a lot of sense. Now, we might not know all the sense about them until we get there, but I've learned a lot more sense about them throughout my life that it's like, oh, yeah. Thank you, God, that you protected me from this because now I see In others, how it's destroyed their life. So, obedience. And then we'll see life in us. And then we'll see life in others because God uses us to touch other people's lives. Just obedience, guys. Okay, that's the second time I've hit in this. Have you got the idea? Yeah, okay. So, dry bones. As I mentioned earlier, we have sometimes dry bones within our personal life. Sometimes with our dreams and with our hopes. And it seems like they're dead, they're dry. And some of them, maybe God needed to shed from our lives, but other than them, we just haven't realized from God the potential in them. And we become discouraged. But God says, as he said to Ezekiel, prophesy to them, speak to them, speak to the dry bones. It might be work and career that are dry. And you just go, there's no way this is going to work out for me, for my life. And God says to you today, speak to those bones. Prophesy to them. Have hope. Because that's what that is. It's hope. Because God moves. God wants the very best for you. He does have a plan for your life. Maybe you have personal struggles that, that you have struggled with for years. And you just go, it is what it is. And they're really dry bones to you. I want to tell you this morning, don't believe the lies of the enemy. When he speaks those things, God wants to come and heal. He wants to set you free from your struggles. He wants to, us out of bondage, out of the chains. He has spoken spoken that so many times, that, he, that, that, that hope he has of new life within us. That's his desire. So don't believe the lies of the enemy, especially in this area, because this is the one that just Satan just hammers us. But you've been struggling this for years. And why do you believe God's going to go now? And then we, we use some religious terms, especially with personal struggles. We say, this is my cross to bear. And I believe Satan is using partial truth within that because Jesus also says he's brought new life and a new heart to you. And if it's about a struggle that you have with sin or any other thing, God wants to heal it. Just believe it. God wants to heal it. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. It's your cross to bear. Yeah, there might be other crosses to bear. But not that one. If it's, a, if it's with sin, that is not a cross to bear for your life. Are you struggling with other things personally along those lines? God wants and desires healing for you for those things. They might have been dry bones, but God says prophesy to them. Speak my life into them. Let me breathe life into them. Let me breathe life into them. Maybe it's with a spouse. And you've been waiting for years for God to change him. You've been praying and doing all this stuff. You've been doing the, quote, right stuff. And I'd say it's time for God to move in to that area. Prophesy. Say, God, you promised. You brought hope. And you have a plan for my life you want healing, you want change, God, do it. I release it to you because many times we get in the way of that happening because we're trying to fix it, (laughs) okay? Let God fix it. And I know many of us struggle with our kids, where they're at in God, what they're doing, what they've chosen. Those could be your dry bones today. Again, prophesy into it. Prophesy God into the situation. Say to the dry bones of your children that you see they're going the wrong ways or doing the wrong things or those things that parents see so clearly and say, God, let this come together, muscle and sinew and tendon and flesh, and then breathe life into it, God. Beseech the throne of God for these children. Some of us even have parents. I don't praise God that didn't accept the Lord, but some of us do. And it's hard. It's hard for us to watch. But I would say have hope. Have hope. Have hope. Speak into the situation to God, prophesy into it, love them into the kingdom. Don't beat them up with the word of God into the kingdom. By the way, that won't work. I used to be called a Bible thumper in high school. That's because I carried my Bible everywhere for one, right? And then for two, I misused scripture to beat people up. I I wasn't loving them into the kingdom at all. I was beating them up, hoping they'd come in. Now, if I would have known those words then... I wouldn't have done it that way. So don't beat people up. God doesn't beat us up. He lovingly points out our sin and tells us to change and brings us into the kingdom as we accept him. (coughs) And some of us have uncles and aunts or siblings even. That are not following God's ways. And we want the best for them. So we need to prophesy into their lives in the name of God. Speak to them in love. Pray for them a bunch. You know, prayer does work. Now, many times we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. And you say, God, I've been praying all month for this and it hasn't happened. Are you ever going to do this? Right? And sometimes it we have to journey with prayer a long time. have an adult son he's almost forty this year, and he has recently i the last probably eight or nine years come back to where he, God's in his life, and he's trusting God more but those you know there was that means there was a season in his late teens and 20s and early 30s, that he, I mean, he was fighting hard against God. Really hard. And my heart was broke. And I was pastoring a church at the time. And some of the people there wanted me to slam my son. And I wasn't willing to do it because I wanted to love him into the kingdom. I took some grief for that occasionally especially as a pastor right but slamming him you know what he would have done he would have turned his back and run harder love him into the kingdom be truthful point out sin but do it in love And you know, one thing that that I have learned is generally people know when they're in sin, okay, they're not stupid. They really do know it. Even, Even unbelievers know that it's wrong to have an affair, okay? So beating them up about having an affair doesn't really accomplish much. They already know that, and they're probably already beating themselves up So let's go alongside of them, love them, and teach them how to get out of that situation and ask for repentance and restore their marriage. Like God did for us. How he restored us into the kingdom. Then I think we especially and... uh, within Canada it, it's not as 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 new but in the United States it's fairly new what's happening with the church in the in the state right it's getting more divided and it's really clear how divided it is and it is a sad state of affairs but i say it's time for the church to rise up and be the church it's time for the church to rise up and be salt and light. It's time for the church to actually be the church. Maybe it's not popular to go to church anymore. And it's getting more like that, guys. And actually, I think that's good. Because then maybe we'll start behaving like the church. So that we can be salt and light. Right now, a lot uh, they can be accepted in, I- in any of the quarters of society. Especially in North America. And it's interesting to note to me that in in the first church, when things were getting, you know, it was clear that there was a separation between the church and the world. It said that that the people were afraid to go to church. I don't know the exact text of that. Maybe you can help me with that, Matt. Anyway, but it says that in Acts, that the, the people feared it to be associated with them. And you know why? Because remember Ananias and Sapphira when they did the—they lied to the Holy Spirit? Not to man, but to the Holy Spirit? And God made an example of them? Let me tell you, people were afraid. It's like, do we want to really be Christians or not? There's a cost. And there is a cost, and it will cost your life, but it costs your life to live for the kingdom of this world, and we'll start living for the kingdom of God. We have to die. Not literally like Ananias and Sapphira. But we have to die. Die to ourselves and live to God. We need to be bones that were dead and very, very dry and come back to life in God. By his strength. By his completeness. So within our government that looks so terrible in North America and other parts of the world we see things falling apart. We need to start having hope for them and pray for them that they might follow God's ways. It tells us in the scripture to, to pray for our nation. And, th- and then it goes on, that there's actually a promise that it might go well with you. So pray for them. Pray for all of the people that are part of the government in Gibsons on the Sunshine Coast. In B.C. and in Canada and North America, and then include the world, have hope and believe that God can touch them. And you might go, "Oh no, God can't touch those stupid politicians. They are about as corrupt as they get. They're dry bones. And we know what God does with dry bones. He brings them to life. And then breathes into them the life of his spirit. So every time you get a place where you're, you're equating a situation or you're equating something with dry bones that there is no hope, when you say there's no hope or it's, it's too corrupt, if you're using any of those words, say, oh, God, dry bones. They're dry bones. God, sp- go into these dry bones and redeem them for your kingdom. Put flesh back on them and breathe into them. Breathe into them anytime that you think that situations are hopeless. And if you're using anything that says, ah, this is hopeless. Now, I'm not speaking about pie in the sky by and by, right? I'm really not. Does it mean that everything we pray for will be answered? Actually, yes. But in God's timing and in God's way, we have to trust him. And sometimes it takes years. But we persevere and we have hope in our heart. We have hope in our heart. Would the worship team come up? So today, for you, right now, where are the areas that you've lost that hope, that, that place that you're just going, yeah, God, I believe you're going to do this, and you're playing on a regular basis? Or have you come to the place that you've just given up and just said it is what it is, and they're going to do what they want to do? I say to you, be like Ezekiel and prophesy and speak the word of the Lord. That's what prophesying is, speaking the word of the Lord. So speak the word of the Lord to them. Speak hope. Speak grace. Tell them that God has a plan for their life. And some of these people that you're going to talk to don't even know what that means. God has a plan for my life. So speak their language. You don't have to use the total Scripture words. Speak their language and giving them hope. And then as they get closer, you can start using our, our religious term words as they learn more about it. And as you turn them to the Scripture, they're going to learn more about it. But they might not even know that stuff. You know, righteousness, redemption. What does that mean? So they might need, you might need to educate them in these things. But have hope for them. Don't give up. Walk the faithful. Walk to the end. Having hope. For your life. For those around you. And for our world. Have hope. Because we're it guys. When we. If we have. If we don't have the hope. Let me tell you. The world is going to hell in a handbasket. Because we're the redemption for this world, us, because God uses us. This is what he's got. So he needs us to have hope for them. So hope for him. Amen.